you're listening to the Patriot Pastors Podcast, where we talk about the current events from a pastor's perspective, as well as calling America back to the faith of our fathers. All right, welcome to the Patriot Pastors Podcast. I'm Wade Lentz, pastor at Barrel Baptist Church in Bologna, Arkansas, and I'm joined with my friend, Harold Smith, the pastor at Lee Creek Baptist Church in Van Buren, Arkansas. Certainly good to see you today, Wade. Good to see you. Are you ready for Christmas? I'm ready to get. I don't know if I'm ready to give. (laughs) I I feel your pain, bro. (laughs) I have four boys. (laughs) Uh, I just came back from the taxidermist shop. Actually, my son's Christmas gift is getting a deer head mounted. And oh, wow. so his gift is covered, and uh, my daughter's she's she's got her own place and out of the house. But there was one thing she wanted, we got it. So really, everything's pretty well covered. We've got a few smaller gifts here and there that we need to really need to get put together. But um, all in all, we're pretty much ready for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Well, ready or not, it's it's here. It's on us, and uh, it's it's hard to believe that. Uh, you know, this whole year has, to me, flown by, but December, my goodness, you just blinked, and it's it's just about gone. But uh, I, I do hope and pray that y'all have a great Christmas. And, uh, you know, before we get started on the, the subject that we're going to be dealing with today on the podcast, have you heard about the uh, the latest stimulus package that the Democrats put together? I, I heard we were getting $600. And then I saw that there was like, I, I, and this was on Facebook, and it wasn't checked by independent fact checkers, but it was like $10 million for gender transitioning people in Afghanistan. Yeah. Something like that. It, it's absolutely crazy. And let me just read to you some of the uh, amounts of money that other countries are getting. Egypt, $1 billion. Sudan, $700 million, Nepal, $130 million, and it just goes on down the list. Now, this is emergency money for, supposed to be for the United States of America because of the pandemic that we're in, and billions of dollars of our tax dollars are not going back to helping small businesses that the government has shut down in this pandemic is going to other countries. And uh, this is, to me, it's almost treasonous what what they're doing. And, you know, I hope that the president will veto it. But I, I don't know if he will because of the backlash that he would receive if he did. Um, but I still, I, for me, I hope he vetoes this and, uh, it's just ridiculous what, what our country has become. And if you really have any doubts as to, uh, the depravity of our country and its country uh, and our country's leaders, then just look at that bill and you can see very quickly, they don't care about us. Well, you got to keep in mind, those are elected leaders. You got to look at the millions of people that voted to keep those leaders in power. That's right. Uh, many of those leaders were on the election. Uh, they were on the ballot in November, and they were reelected by their constituents. Mm-hmm. So, 
it's it's easy to point the fingers at Congress and go, you guys are all a bunch of idiots. But there's several million people that reelected all those idiots. That, that that's right. The weight of responsibility themselves. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It it's obviously it's all those. Uh, it's our fault for voting these folks in. But uh, nevertless, I, again, I hope the president vetoes this and says, "Hey, you can't, you can't, you can't do this. This is not allowed." But anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, we always talk about something that's happening in the uh, here and now, and uh, that's something that uh, that we're dealing with uh, as a country. And um, but another thing that we're dealing with, and we've talked uh, about this subject for many episodes so far, and that is the pandemic, COVID-19. I believe now there's been 300,000 deaths in the United States due to COVID-19, and obviously it it has killed many people, but it has also killed some things that relates to the church. I think one thing that it has killed is choir. How many churches that used to have choir has a choir now? Not many. But the subject that we want to talk about this on, on this episode is this. Did COVID-19 kill Sunday school? Pretty, pretty applicable subject that uh, we're looking at today because a lot of churches that, that had Sunday school Sunday after Sunday have now shut that off. Yeah. And, you know, for because of the pandemic. If it's not dead, it's on life support. That's for certain. Yes. Um, when you look, you just look at churches used to, you know, people like a lot of hip, trendy pastors wanted away from the idea of Sunday school because it was old. You know, that's where your grandparents. So we've got small groups or we've got home groups, or we've got home sales, and give it all these cool, trendy names if you want, but you can say Sunday school is an invention that came about in the late 1700s, early 1800s to teach kids to read, and I will say, amen, you know, kids ought to be able to learn to read, but the idea of a small group of people getting together within the greater church, local church, to study the Bible together is not a new concept. This goes all the way back to the Sea of Galilee and Jesus Christ and the Twelve. Yes. Uh, Whether you call it Sunday school, whether you call it small group Bible study, the Bible is literally got multiple references in the New Testament to small groups of people getting together to study within the context of a larger local church. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yes. And for, for us at, at Barrel, um, because we have really small Sunday school rooms for the size of, of people who would uh, attend Sunday school, what we've done is that all the adults um, meet in the sanctuary where there's plenty of social distancing and all, all of that. And we meet and have a Bible study that I teach before our 11 o'clock service. Now, the children, the young people still meet in for Sunday school class, but the adults are meeting in the sanctuary where I teach 
all, all of the adults at one time. And, and really it's worked out very good. And, uh, and it may be something that we keep doing on a long-term basis. What, what are y'all doing at, uh, in Van Buren? We're, we're doing exactly what we did prior to COVID hitting. We're back to, um, a couple of different adult Sunday school classes and then all of the age related classes under that. And, you know, you bring up a point and this is why I think Sunday school is, is probably going to be dead or it, it may, it may get a resurrection at some point down in the future, but we have a, we now have a germaphobe society. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we now have people that do not think they can be in the same room with other people outside of their household. I, I was watching well, I don't want to say I was watching. I haven't watched any football in about two years. Okay, I just gave it up. I thought, you know, I'm spending a lot of my weekend watching a group of paid professionals or paid college kids run up and down a field, and it's wasting my time. But I was um, at my in-laws the other night, and it was the SEC championship game, and my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, big big SEC fans, and, of course, they had it on, and they were just glued to the TV. And here's what I noticed. I remembered the, the, uh, the commentators would always be lined up around a semicircle table, and whether you were watching the pro games on ABC or, or Fo- I mean, uh, CBS or Fox, or whether you were watching game day, all these old coaches and commentators and players were hitting each other on the shoulder and laughing and making fun of each other and putting on each other's hats. And when I saw the SEC commentators in the studio, there were three of them at a 21-foot-long table. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it was so impersonal. And yeah. I was blown away. And I thought, where's the, the back slapping and shoulder punching and, and swapping hats and move? I mean, throwing the football back and forth. It was so unnatural to me. Mm-hmm. It was like we had three robots distance themselves apart. And then the, the, the lady on the field, you know, the good looking lady that's supposed to be on the sidelines that knows nothing about football. She's just, I can't <laughs> yeah, talk to yeah. the coach. She's talking to. Uh, Nick Saban, and there's literally like a full hash mark in between them. I mean, they're five yards apart, and she's got a mask on. I'm, and I thought, what have we done to football? I mean, this is, yeah. this is awful. This right. makes me want to watch it even less. But what we're telling people, and this is where I'm going, we're telling people, oh, you can't go and sit in a room with other adults Unless that room is is a big sanctuary where everybody can spread out and be twelve foot apart, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we're conditioning people to be germaphobes, germaphobes, and social distance because of COVID nineteen. And you mentioned the statistics; we are close to three hundred thousand deaths. Yeah. But we ought to, we also ought to mention the total deaths in America is still lower than it was in two thousand nineteen with three hundred thousand what we should be able to say is additional COVID deaths. Right. They're not additional COVID deaths. Actually, we're seeing this same death toll about every year because many of the people who died from COVID were old enough that we would say they died of natural causes. And Mm -hmm. even some of the young people that have died, those same deaths occur every year due to the flu or any other thing. Yes. Because of COVID-19, we've conditioned people you cannot be in a small room together mm-hmm. and, and people are terrified. And I don't know if Sunday school will ever come back. Yeah. Right. Well, especially when you have the, uh, 
COVID-19 that's already mutated. Have you heard about that? Yes. Now, now it's, uh, you know, more contagious than ever and possibly more aggressive. And of course, you know, we, we figured this, that there was going to be a mutation that goes on into 2021 that uh, COVID-19 and all the mandates are not going to be over because this thing's going to uh, mutate and so forth. And which adds to the hysteria in the church. And I have uh, folks in my church that are germaphobes now. Some were germaphobes before the pandemic, but they are very much so now. And, um, and that's my story could be told by many pastors and churches that, yeah, I don't know what it's going to look like next year. I don't know when we're going to have a choir again. I don't know when we're going to have a real adult Sunday school class again. Um, but like you say, it's very important that at least that you have that, uh, that time of questions and answers and you have that time of fellowship. Let, let in me, that small group setting. Let me get just give you a short list of things you get out of Sunday school that you don't get in just a worship service, you know, with a sermon and a few songs and an offering and a prayer. In a Sunday school class, number one, you're giving multiple people in the church an opportunity to teach. Right now, you're the pastor and you're teaching the Sunday school class, but prior to this, I, I would venture to say you had a, a, several adults that taught various classes. Mm -hmm. Lee Creek is unique in that we have, uh, we've always had older pastors. It, some people brag their church is a, you know, produces young preachers. We're like a graveyard for old preachers. You know, <laughs> when pastors retire, they seem to end up at Lee Creek. And a lot of times that would make you nervous. I've got all these old preachers here, you know, criticizing me. But I really look at it as a blessing. I've got men that God has used to teach people. I need to find a way for them to continue to utilize that gift. Maybe they can't pastor a church anymore. The, the stress of, you know, handling and, and overseeing an entire church body is too much. Mm -hmm. But they have a number of great messages that they can teach on any given morning. So we have multiple former pastors and elders teaching on Sunday school. When you do away with Sunday school, you limit the teaching of the church to just one person. Right. Right. And God is clear about giving us multiple teachers. Not all of them may not be on the same level, but we've taken away a lot of these guys' ministry by doing that. Sure. You mentioned the interaction, the discussion. Um, you know, when you're preaching a sermon, people can't just say, wait a minute, I've got a question. Let's talk about that. Right. The sermon is a monologue. It's one guy, thus saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord. It is this declaration. But Paul not only did preaching, Paul was also involved in a dialogue, a back and forth, disputing right. with those in the market, you know. Um, so this, this idea of doing away with Sunday school and let's just spread out in the sanctuary, we lose that interaction. A lot of these guys lose the opportunity to teach and gals. And then you lose the fellowship that you get on a small basis where you get in a room, hey, how was your week? How did everything work out with your son? Did you guys get this taken care of? That individual care for one another can't take place 12 foot apart, you know, right. during the offering. Yes. And so we're losing an integral part of the church by killing what we call Sunday school. Whether you want to call it small group or you want to meet in houses, I mean, 
Mm-hmm. That was a really popular thing, if you'll remember, having home groups. Right, right. Home. And I was like, we're not meeting in your home. Y'all are going to watch the football game and not study the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Home group, would be, that's, that would be illegal in a lot of, co- a lot yeah. of states around the country right now. That's true. And uh, so I, you're really, really taking out some key aspects of the church when you, in age-related ministry. There are mm-hmm. things I need to cover with teenagers that 80-year-olds that are not interested in. Right. There are things that 80-year-olds need to know at that point in their life that are not applicable to 13-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And so age-related and age-segregated teaching is not outside of the realm of Scripture. How else did Christ get away from his mom and dad with the kids if all the kids wasn't segregated together and running around together? Right, so, um, right. Uh, you lose all of those aspects. And if you take them away from the church permanently, you're going to see some drastic changes in the fellowship. And I would say the intellectual level of the church when you remove that, that aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's very, very important. You know, what we do from time to time is that I will take questions. I will ask the uh, adults to write down questions, you know, put them in the offering plate, give them to me afterwards. And then one particular Sunday we will, I will answer those questions. And uh, because of the, of the sanctuary that we, we meet in, it's so large that there's really no way for us to conversate one with another, you know, without saying, what did you say? I'm, I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you. So all of the questions I asked them to, Hey, just save them, write them down, give them to give them, give them to me. When we have enough questions, I will just take this time to answer the questions that you have. And because like you say, that's a, that's a very important part of learning. And that's why children, especially my boys, the small boys, are constantly asking questions. And, mm. and uh, that, that's a means of them learning. And uh, so that's, that's what we do at, at Barrel. And, um, you know, it's worked out for us through this. And, yeah, I don't know when our people will begin to feel more comfortable uh, meeting in small small rooms and small groups. Uh, each well, church is different in how they handle that, and, and that's just based upon your people. But uh, certainly don't throw it out. Uh, you know, think of different ways to do this. And... Um, you know, it's, it's worked for us, and, and I know other churches that are, are doing much like the same way. As long as the government and the media are continuing to fan the flames of fear, um, you're, going to, you're going to have people who are going to, I don't want to be a part of Sunday school. I mean, we're having Sunday school. We started it back in October, and uh, we, we just said the first Sunday of October, we're going to start Sunday school up. If you don't feel comfortable... You know, no hard feelings, but many people, especially the teachers, they were like, man, I miss preparing a lesson every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so we've actually had a few people show up at church because their church is not offering any kind of Sunday school. I mean, it's just a, a show up. Everybody put their mask on, stay 12 foot apart and go home. And they're like, this is not. How do you exhort one another? Mm-hmm. Do you holler at them from a distance? Hey, you over there. Yeah. I'm praying for you. No, I mean, that's not how it works. And, and right. most of that exhortation, 
of the one another's takes place in a Sunday school setting. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so we knew we needed to get back to it. We knew there was a certain risk in, involved in it, but I'm, you know, unpopular opinion here. If you don't want to hear an unpopular opinion, everybody plug your ears. I believe the COVID virus, even though it's real, even though you can catch it, even though it does kill some people, is more about controlling the population than it is about protecting you from catching the virus. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. watching people in the stands at the Florida-Alabama game, if, if this is something that's killing people, why did you allow them to show up? Mm -hmm. If this is something that's so dangerous, why does a coach have to put a bandana over his mouth to talk when yeah. they're all in a huddle and their heads are three inches apart and they're screaming and yelling at each other? This is ridiculous. And yes. so um, as long as the media is, yeah. is, you know, conveying and playing along and social media is – is interfering and censoring what we say and the government is I'm talking about state governments are saying this um, mm -hmm. you're gonna have this fear of being in a room and hearing one guy talk and people interact I heard something funny today and I don't know if it's true of him but Bart Hester which is a state uh, legislator I don't know if he's in the Senate or the the house of the state of Arkansas but I don't know if this is even true, but it was credited to him. It said, Bart Hester said, if you've got enough freedom in you, you're immune to the COVID. And, mm -hmm. and I, I thought, well, yeah, that may be true. If you, if you want and value your freedoms and say, look, live, you know, win, lose, or draw, live or die, I'm going to go do what I got to do. Um, that's the way I've been living. Yeah. I've had COVID. I got over it. Um, my whole family has had it. Uh, at different times, we've all gotten over it. Several people in our church have had it. It wasn't an outbreak from here. It, maybe this month, this family had it. Next month, another family would have it. Mm -hmm. But so far, um, everyone's recovered. And, sure, sure. Uh, I, I really, I, 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 this may be a topic for another day, but I wonder if we were not told that COVID-19 was happening, if we would have known it was here. I can answer that. No. I, I mean, I don't think so. I, I'm not trying to belittle anyone that's been sick by it. And right. I know of, I don't know them, but I know of one person that was, you know, my age, like around 45, 50 that died from it. But everyone else I know that's had, that's died from this has all been like nursing home age, you mm -hmm. know, lived right. their life, could have died from any other cause. Sure. And uh, I, I don't think if somebody hadn't told us there was a COVID-19 outbreak, we would have it. Yet, it's completely killed Sunday school. It's killed mm -hmm. choir. Uh, churches everywhere are closing. Um, mm -hmm. Businesses are closing. I mean, this thing is deadly, but it's not nearly as deadly to people as it is to organizations and businesses. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's it's sad how much they are politicizing this virus and and really using it against us. It's frustrating for pastors because we see it and we see our 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 people kindly kindly being controlled by that. But uh, you know we have to be careful how we handle that, and and certainly we don't want to uh, do anything that there's an outbreak in the church. But at the same time. This is what's troubling for me is that we as Christians really should not fear anything. What are we afraid of as Christians? Are we afraid to die and go to heaven? I mean, is that really the mark of a Christian? 
that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to flee from everything. I'm going to seclude myself and hide from death. It's just, it's very troubling for pastors to see. And especially what we're talking about is troubling watching our churches uh, lose some great things that we have, the church has held to for centuries, for many years at least. And uh, one of them is that small group setting of where Christians can sharpen one another through fellowship and through the word. And, uh, and we're losing that. And, and hopefully, hopefully soon, there, there will be a great awakening again. I, I believe that this is almost like our Reformation period for our, our church. And that we're going to come out of this time of darkness with my prayer is for a revival of, of truth. For so long, I think we've relied upon, I'm speaking as churches in general, we've relied so much upon programs and upon uh, the latest, you know, fads that we've missed where our power comes from. And that's the Holy Spirit of God. And Mm -hmm. certainly we need a revival. One of the things, you know, we talk about wanting a revival. Well, it's, it's our current theology that's put us in a position where we need a revival. So if we're going to have a revival, we've got to have a reformation. Otherwise, what we're doing is going to put us five years down the road in need of a revival again. Mm-hmm. And so it seems to me like I've always heard preachers, and I'm not saying this of you, Wade, but I've heard preachers all my life go, God, send us a revival. God, send us a revival. But you're up preaching a message that's going to require a revival in just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, right. What we're seeing with, with this COVID is – we're seeing a stripping away of a lot of what put us in this position. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the programs, you know, the slick marketing, the, you know, how do we get people in uh, the big events to draw crowds? Well, crowds are illegal now. Yeah. So, yeah. so we're back to just one-on-one, you know, I believe in Jesus Christ. I, and so if we're going to go back to one-on-one evangelism, which is what, you know, the early church did, the apostles did, then we've got to distinguish ourselves from the world. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do that by wearing chin strap beards and black hats and eating oatmeal, okay? We're not going to do that by riding in a horse and buggy. We're going to do that by living without the fear of death because death has been overcame by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes. Therefore, I, I'm not going to fear what man will do to me. I'm not going to fear what the world can happen to me because all that's been secured in Christ. And when others see that difference, why is it that you don't worry about these things? Why is it? Well, that drastic difference is my open door to say, well, I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm a Christian. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I, I, I'm a Christian too. Well, then why aren't you exhibiting this same trait? Real Christianity is going, to come, is going to become starkly different than the world around it. And so the revival that you're speaking of, I'm all for. Mm-hmm. The reformation that you're speaking of is exactly what it's going to take to see that revival. I think you're spot on. Mm-hmm. Got to have some kind of reform. Things have to change or, or we're just going to be in this little cycle of, you know, we got to get our numbers up. Uh, right. We really need right. to strip back the facade and go, here's what's important. And from this, we're going to, you know, move forward. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good, man. And, you know, 
I hope folks listening to us today are, have been encouraged. I mean, we're just two pastors of, of uh, rural churches, uh, country churches, and we hope it's been an encouragement to you and a help to you. We want to wish all of you a Merry Christmas, and uh, hopefully we'll be doing a new podcast in the new year. God bless you.